Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. What's up, you guys? Roger Jessup here with the Utah House Doctors. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for our weekly giveaways and all things home. Whether that be new construction ideas, home renovations, or any of your real estate needs. All right, I'm going to start us off with a high five today, and that is to my husband, actually, Parker. We have been... I. I grew a sourdough starter a few months ago, but, and we're going to get into this today, we're talking about our personality types and tendencies, but I cannot bake anything to save my life because I hate following recipes. (laughs) I don't like that they're so exact. It annoys me. And so we've been wanting to make really good sourdough bread with our starter so not like a yeast bread but like a true sourdough bread and I just kept failing because heaven forbid I followed this recipe but it takes so long it's like two days of doing exactly what the recipe says it's way too much constraint it's way too much (laughs) and so I gave the assignment to Parker and he is now sourdough master and he is making like (laughs) because he loves bread he is making like two loaves every single night i swear he's just always in there making sourdough well that's amazing and it's really good well it's phenomenal it. yeah felicia brought it the other day i don't think yeah you couldn't make it but she brought it the other day to a picnic lunch and it was freaking phenomenal i was like gonna eat the whole loaf and i restrained myself but it was it's really good so good. we'll bring you a loaf can you bring some tomorrow yes because last week's picnic savannah was sick yes mm-hmm. i will bring it oh it was so good Fresh, warm. It's making me yeah, and it was like warm. Oh, it was good. It was like, yeah, like professional status. So, yay to Parker. Mm-hmm. I need the recipe too because I feel like I want to get in on that train. Yeah, um, unless he wants to make the loaf for me <laughs> as well. That'd be great. He just delivers them every morning. <laughs> our, our family baker. I'll take it. Um, yes. Yeah, so mine is also a high five. Um, I mentioned before that my husband and I's anniversary is in January. It was our five year, and for Christmas, he gave me a trip, which was, like, so fun. I don't think I've ever been given a a trip for a gift, and it was so exciting. I was, like, so I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, and he, um, part of the trip was going to Harry Potter World, and I was emotional when I opened the gift. I was so excited about it. So it was fun to actually go to Harry Potter World. I got a wand. I experienced the world. (laughs) It was great. I did have butterbeer. If anybody goes, you have to try butterbeer in every form that it comes in. Hot was my favorite. But anyway, it was just so fun. And then the last, like, four days of the trip, we just beached it, and it was perfect. It was, like, the perfect blend of a trip because I feel like the first part was, like, obviously it was an amusement park, so it was super busy. Like, we were walking around all day. We were exhausted. And then the last part of the trip was just, like, a nice, relaxing. We didn't do anything but just hang on the beach and swim. And it was fun. So we were in Miami for the last part, and it was fantastic. So that was our high, my high five. I love that. Yeah. I'm jealous. That makes me want to go to Harry Potter World with my kids. Yeah. So bad. It was amazing. And yeah, with kids, I felt like it would just up the ante on the magic. Yes. Sounds so fun. Well, mine is a high five, and that is we have triple high fives this week. I love it. Nice. 
I did my first Ariel Silks performance on Saturday. I've done one other performance a year ago, but it was in hammock. And so, and when I did it, I was like, I really want to do silks. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's like where the two ribbons, they look like ribbons, hang from the ceiling and they go all the way to the floor. Whereas a hammock doesn't, it stops halfway and it's just one big loop. So a hammock was a little easier for me last time because there's something to rest on. Whereas up on silks, it just is a little harder. And so that was my goal last year. It was like the next performance, I want to be able to have the conditioning to do silks. And I did with my daughters and it was so fun. And I just love performing <laughs> it. I miss it, I miss it. When I was a teenager, I did it a lot. And as an adult, you just don't get that, that opportunity as much. So that's my high five. It's I so don't like performing. I love that part of, your part of your personality because it sounds horrible to me. Yeah, I don't really either. So I do think that's really cool that you enjoy I do it too. so much. I love that. But I think you either, li you either love yeah. it or you don't, yeah. right? Like there's really no forcing yourself right. to either like. And it, there's nothing good or bad about liking it but yeah I love it I love in some ways it makes me feel like it's almost embarrassing for me to admit that I like like I like public speaking I like being in front of a crowd it makes me feel vain that I enjoy applause so much <laughs> but I do so I just you own it I I'm just owning vain. that I love I'm it I'm impressed by it yeah I think it's cool <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's really cool but I love that feeling whether you're doing it with your words or with I mean if I were a singer that would be like the ultimate, but I'm not. But anytime you can like, ah, this sounds so bad. But like, affect the energy of a room and mm -hmm. like have people respond to you. Oh, it's like making me excited just thinking about it. Like there's something cool about being like, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, or what I'm doing is like affecting this mass of people. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It makes me feel powerful. <laughs> I like it. Feels oh. I love it. Ooh, I feel it. Okay, well, now that we've delved into that <laughs> psychological side of me, let's jump into The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. We have mentioned her. You know, we call her Gretch. We feel like she's our friend. Uh, she has a podcast that we will link that she does with her sister, and she has so many good books. The Happiness Project was the first book of hers that I ever read, but this book is called The Four Tendencies. And it is delving into the psychology of what motivates us. And she kind of like discovered, I love how she describes it because she's like, I feel like I discovered like a nature, a, an aspect of nature, human nature. And that is, this isn't like an, a comprehensive personality thing. This is just simply looking at how we motivate ourselves, how we can get ourselves to do things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just this one aspect of our nature, but it's so helpful because, I mean, we all want to accomplish the things we want to accomplish, but when we don't know what our nature is, sometimes we're just fighting against ourselves, totally. right? Mm -hmm. So this has been, when I, I mean, I first heard her talk about the four tendencies years ago, and I think it's really helpful, first of all, to understand the people around you, how to, first of all, just know who they are, work with them, especially if your kids get them to do things. And for me, it's been super valuable just to know what works to get myself to do things. Mm -hmm. So the four tendencies are upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. Upholder, upholders respond to both external motivation, sorry, external expectations and internal expectations. So these are like the Hermione Grangers of the world, right? They obey all rules. 
they set a goal, they do it, whether they set it or somebody else sets it. Like it's it's happening. Questioners are motiva- motivated by internal expectations. So they must be convinced of something. But once they're convinced, even if it has nothing to do with anybody else, it's easy for them to follow through. Mm-hmm. Then you have obligers which is the largest category of humans. The majority of people fall into this category. Well, when I say sorry, not the majority. It isn't over 50%. But if you split among the four, it's the largest group. Mm -hmm. And these people are motivated primarily by external expectations. So these are people who work really great with accountability partners, right? When it's somebody else's expectation, it's easy for them. However, if it's only them that it affects, it's more challenging. And rebels... Uh, respond to neither internal nor external motivation <laughs> as their primary motivating factor. They they use other tactics to get what they want. And I just, oh, it's just so fascinating to me. So those are the four categories, and we will delve a little deeper into each one. And, you know, Gretchen has a, a quick test that you can take to discover your tendency, but I think most people when you hear we're going to go over each one and when you hear a little bit of a breakdown i think they're pretty easy to identify what you are and i'll put a link in the show notes for that quiz in case after listening to this you're still not sure yeah it's literally it's eight questions it's It's really quick even the rebels who i've sent it to have taken it (laughs) which is saying something because it's fast (laughs) exactly so in talking about this we want to know why why do we care? Why would it matter for us to know our tendency in this very specific thing? And I think after reading this, it's just fascinating to know ourselves better and how we can motivate ourselves. But also if we can identify the important people in our life. So whether that's your spouse, your children, people you work with, your other family members. I think if you, if you know someone in any way better, you can be aware of them and how you can help motivate them and also just every personality type has an upside you know like strengths and things that can be perceived weaknesses but if we can play to our own strengths our spouse's strengths um it i think it just really helps in communication and and it's given me a lot more empathy for you know, if your spouse isn't doing something, but you're asking them in a way that's really pushing against their tendency for motivation, and you all you need to do is switch how you ask, it, I don't know, it just gives you empathy towards, like, not everyone's like me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how can I see them better? Yeah, totally. I think it's cool because I feel like um, she also says that, like, there's no one perfect tendency, and not just one tendency is going to be the more successful people or the happier people. The people that are happiest are the people who recognize their tendency and can embrace it, like embrace Mm -hmm. the strengths Mm -hmm. and be able to offset those limits that every tendency has. And I do love that what what you said before is that it's everybody then still has their own personalities with the tendency. It's just one aspect. So two people might have the same tendency, but they might kind of exhibit it and be totally different in that tendency. So I think it's kind of cool because it's just one part of like that motivation, what gets you to do something. And like anything, there's always a primary tendency. And then you're, we all have a little bit of all four inside of us. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have a primary and then probably a secondary. And mm-hmm. that's usually pretty clear which one it is. Mm-hmm. And often when we are 
communicating. We tend to communicate in our language, so whatever part of your personality. But if we're talking about motivations, so you're asking someone to do something, I think often we we communicate inside our tendency. But I think if you can, you know, have a general idea of other people, especially the people closest to you, and you communicate in their way, I just see there's just so much power in that mm-hmm. to me. Especially when you think about spouse, kids, really close people. Mm-hmm. I just love that. So we are going to start with upholder because they would want to go first. <laughs> first in line. Yes, first in line. So upholder, um, like we said, they respond to outer and inner expectations. So these are the people who at New Year's always set their New Year's resolutions on January 1st or maybe even the day before. They love rules, procedures, and, and really... Um, Gretchen has a motto for each tendency, and I don't remember what the upholder's motto is that she set, but just do it kept coming up in my head. They really just do everything. They can count on themselves, and everyone else can count on them. And Terrilyn and Caitlin's mom, so my mother-in-law, Jeannie, is an upholder. Classic upholder. Classic. Like, I don't even know if she leans towards anything else. Yeah, she is just... (laughs) And she's good. I mean, she can hold herself to any goal. And she... And it's funny, because one of the things about an upholder, too, is, like, they also just don't understand, like, when other people... Like, if someone wants to work out, like, our mom always... Like, she just has goals, and she doesn't... She never misses a day. And she can't even understand why you... Why someone couldn't. Like, it's like... Why doesn't it, like, if you want to work out, just do it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, she just yeah. doesn't even understand that. She's worked out regularly since the day I was born, I think. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think she's, like, she doesn't miss. Yeah. Right. Like, she just says she's going to do something, and she just does it. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, an example of this. It's so fun. Oh, my goodness. I love I love talking about upholders and rebels because they're just so fun. <laughs> so my mother... When she was in, like, second grade, the teacher did not finish the math textbook, like, just went to the lessons and then the school ended. She asked in, like, second grade, guys, to take the textbook home so that she could finish the math book <laughs> during the summer. Who even thinks of that? Right. Like, I, I don't even grasp how you would think it. Yeah. But it's incredible. It's like a superpower, honestly. It really is. Seriously, <laughs> she amazes me. Like, I feel like sometimes I just hear her and I'm like, she's incredible. Because the other thing, like, cleaning like, for me, I own my own house now. And so it's like, if I don't want to do a certain chore, because either, you know, it's like, well, it's clean enough, or like, I don't have time, or I don't want to do it. I just don't do it because I like to say I'm the parent. Like, I can, you know, I can choose I'm an adult now. if I do that, you know? <laughs> but like, my mom, she will, she will do it no matter what. Like, even if the basement, like, hasn't been used that week, she will still vacuum it, mop it, like, do all of it because it's like, well, that is, that's right. what we do. Like, that's right. the, that's the rule. And she can't understand why you wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It, it truly is a superpower because they don't need other people to motivate them. And they can't understand why why other people would need that, you know? <laughs> she just yeah. is. And speaking to her as a child, they do say that, so it is hard to nail down kids. So if you're listening, thinking, what is my kid? I think all kids are rebels until a certain age, <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. But But Gretchen does say, It's really hard to tell until you're an adult because their lives, I mean, we do so much for them. They're not necessarily having to motivate themselves a lot of the time. And it's just not well-defined until they're older. But upholders and rebels do present 
earlier. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because they're more extreme. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One time my mom was talking about cleaning. You guys were there for this. And she was saying something like, I don't understand how you could not, you know, yeah, it was something like mop your floor three times a week or whatever. I don't know what it was. And I, guys, I started laughing so hard. I couldn't even breathe. I was like, do you know who you're talking to here? Like, do you know who you're looking at as you're saying this? And she was totally like, like, I don't understand how people don't. And I was like, I do. I understand how people don't follow their own rules about cleaning. (laughs) Like, I live this. (laughs) Anyway, but yeah, they're incredible. So upholders... Yeah, get the job done. Another motto that Gretchen uses for upholders is discipline creates freedom mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Like by following their rules and other people's rules, they feel free. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it feels like un- they feel unanchored. Right. So, I mean, there's so many times, guys, it's so funny because Felicia's a rebel. So <laughs> when we go places as a family, my mom will be like, no, that's a rule. And she'll be like, and Felicia will be like, I don't care. <laughs> doesn't matter like I'm walking to that beach <laughs> even though it says not to or whatever it is <laughs> we had this conversation and you lot. can tell my mom's like what are you what I can't take it what yeah. are you doing <laughs> no don't cross that yeah. you know yeah. don't that's or so like true. you know you cu- do that cutting through like you know just those little things like a rope that's blocking off I think you have to walk around the rope but you're going to the same place right Felicia will just go under the rope and my mom's like <laughs> Don't go under the rope. Stay in the line. Walk around the rope. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so their strengths are that they get things done. Mm -hmm. They are, I mean, we all know in Harry Potter, Hermione Granger becomes the minister of magic. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, upholders are incredible. The downside is sometimes they hold themselves to such high standards that it either creates conflict inside of them or they end up doing things that they don't actually want to do, but they feel obligated to do Mm -hmm. because it's a rule. Right. Yeah. So, and sometimes so it can, can be become hard. inconvenient for other people because it's like they want to keep the rule and maybe other people are like, it, it like might put other people out, but they are so stuck on it, yeah. you know? So those yeah. are some yeah. limits. And, and huge strengths of this. I mean, honestly, being able to just set a goal and achieve any goal you ever set, right. to me, sounds like... It's amazing. I wish wow. I had that. I don't, I don't understand it, but I admire it so yeah. much. Yeah. Definitely. And if you are a parent or a spouse to an upholder, you know, if you're looking at how can I support them, I think it would it's important to be aware of that maybe um, rigid nature that can turn to, you know, like overwhelm or anxiety. Um, so when you're talking about kids or if you have a really strong upholder spouse, be careful when you ask them to do something um, and and help them relax. So encourage them to not you know put in their schedule have them uphold their own personal time relaxing time whatever mm-hmm. and also but, but don't say relax but don't say you must don't don't say relax <laughs> don't, use the, don't use the word relax that'll backfire on you <laughs> yeah. it is a rule your doctor said <laughs> then they'll do it um but with with uh kids there's something interesting that Gretchen said, and that is that upholder kids oftentimes um, lean towards the extrinsic motivation of teachers and parents. And so sometimes um, they're not really getting down to the root of their intrinsic motivation because they have so many um, extrinsic 
expectations. And so if you do feel like you might have an upholder kid to try to tease out what they truly want inside. So maybe they're really tight on their training regimen for a sport or something and also their their homework but just helping them tease out what they really want and and maybe they're doing ballet just because it's well that's what we do and we signed up for it and I'm upholding all this stuff and just making sure that they are aware of that and getting some breaks um was just a suggestion for upholder kids Mm -hmm. which I think is so valuable because it would be easy to say for example sign up for ballet and then do it for 10 years even if they hate it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because they're just going to uphold that expectation right so allowing them to whatever your family rules are like for us you know every summer we, we reevaluate you're going to take for the next year and letting an upholder child know you can choose something else mm-hmm. like you're you're not stuck to this because it's my expectation mm-hmm. right yeah so that's really helpful <clears throat> all right let's dive into the questionnaire yes i will start out on the questionnaire because i am a questioner <laughs> Questionnaires are mainly motivated by internal expectations, but in order to be motivated, they have to be convinced. So, for example, for me, like if somebody just tells me, um, yeah, this is good, you should do it, it's not going to work for me. Mm -hmm. However, if you convince me, and so for example, you guys have heard me talk about my smoothies, right? Like, I have been convinced sufficiently on every ingredient that goes in my smoothie. Like, I know all the benefits of it. I have fallen in love for whatever reason. My my curious mind has been convinced that these are the best things to put in, and I drink it every day, right? Like I, it's not hard for me to do because I am very convinced about the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Miracle Morning. I wanted to wake up and have a morning routine for a long time, for years, and it wasn't until I read the book, The Miracle Morning, that I was sufficiently convinced. Mm-hmm. And since then, I have been, I haven't looked back, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am. Totally convinced of it. It's not hard for me. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's fairly... Well, I take that back. It's mostly not hard for me. Mm-hmm. There's those mornings where I wake up and I think... Oh, Why would oh. I wake up? <laughs> okay. And then after the yeah. question, <laughs> I answer because I'm convinced, right? So, this, so the benefit of this is that we can... If we can convince... So, this works with... When you're working with a questioner, a spouse, or a child, or a coworker... The key here is to actually answer their questions. Some people get annoyed by questioners and all their questions. But if you know that they're actually just a questioner, you can satisfy them by giving answers and they're going to do the thing if you convince them, right? right? So, I mean, she gives the example in like a meeting. You can't just tell a questioner. You can tell an upholder, I want you to do this this way and they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. If you tell a questioner, I want you to do it this way, a questioner's going to say, well, why? Why yeah. that way? Why <laughs> that way? Why is that the best way? And for a lot of leaders, they'll say, because I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to work for a questioner. Mm-hmm. If you can take the time to actually explain to a questioner, this is why this is the best way, and as a team, this is why we're going to do this, then a questioner will do it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're convinced. But mm-hmm. you, it's valuable when you're working with a questioner to actually take the time to convince just them. Just explain the why. Yeah, just give them yeah. the why. Even though if you're not a questioner yourself, you're going to be like, oh. Why are you asking me all these questions? It's annoying. Yeah. And this is like one tip is going to save my marriage because <laughs> Parker is a questioner and I'm a rebel, which they say is the, I guess, hardest wrong word, but the most clashy of, of to be in a marriage as a one questioner and a rebel. And man, before I read this, it's like, 
just because or whatever. Like, stop asking so many, so many questions. He questions everything. But now I just love to have this framework to understand he needs purpose, reason, justification. He needs an explanation. And then he will do anything if, if he's convinced of it. But they, they really push against anything arbitrary. Mm-hmm. So if you were to ask a group of people, do you set New Year's resolutions? Questioners are going to be the ones who say, I mean, not at New Year's because that's an arbitrary date. Like, I like to do them in the summer or something. And it's not a, it's not a rebelling against the resolutions. It's, why would I do them on January 1st? Why? Mm-hmm. If you can convince me why, then I will, I will do mm-hmm. it then. But it, it's very interesting um, once you identify the questioner, it almost feels like uh, they're trying, like I feel like I'm on trial, but it's not for you. Like I was feeling attacked by it. It's for them. Mm-hmm. They need to know yeah. the answer. They do. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? I think my husband Jeff would relate to this conversation <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I think questioners are just always questioning. Mm-hmm. And, and the New Year's resolution thing is fascinating to me because when I first heard, and I told you guys this, but I like to set my big goals in March because it makes sense to me, <laughs> energy-wise, right? Like I'm more energetic. Right. I heard somebody say that once. Winter is a and I was down. like, yes, this makes much more sense to me. I am convinced. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I set my like big accomplishment goals. I mean, I still we still do our goal setting in January because it's a fun tradition. But but yeah, it's it's fascinating to me that it it works. And so I think that's just a good thing to remember what Felicia just said when you're dealing with a questioner. It is their questioning you is not an attack on you mm-hmm. or them doubting you or your mm-hmm. capabilities. It's simply our nature to question, mm-hmm. right? And it's what, in some ways, like anything, it's a strength, right? Like I am hungry for more information all the time in every aspect. Like I just love, I love information. So the benefit of that is it makes learning a lifelong pursuit. And the downside is, it can come across as questioning other people and their abilities. If mm-hmm. I let that, so as a questioner myself, I try to be aware of that. What I try to do is, if it's somebody else's, like they're owning this, I try just to stop, completely stop my tendency to ask questions about it. Mm-hmm. Just you own it, mm-hmm. however you do it, it's great. I'm not gonna ask questions about it. I'm just going to observe and say, well done, mm-hmm. right? Because my tendency was, I'd always be coming in and saying, why are you doing it that way? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Tell me more, and because out of curiosity, but it comes across as it can come across as undermining. So that's one thing. Another thing that questioners, I haven't felt this myself, but I have several friends who are questioners who have experienced this. But you might be a questioner if you sometimes exhaust yourself with your need for more information. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like I don't feel like I need to exhaustively research things before I buy them. That's not one of my tendencies in this category. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I have some friends, like, my one friend was buying a pair of skis, and she's like, I had to search for, like, three months and look at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of skis and read every review about them before I could buy the skis. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel that. I usually just ask my friends who are like that and say, I'm going to buy some skis. Which ones did you choose? Right. But that can be, that can be something that questioners experience. Mm -hmm. Parker does that? I mean, like, McDonald's. We'll be in the drive-thru for so long because he's, like, questioning, do I feel like that? But this is a little bit cheaper, but that one, and I want to make the wrong decision. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Any purchases. Analysis paralysis is what Gretchen calls it. Yeah. Cameron is actually also a questioner. We talked about this last night, actually. And he is interesting because he actually, he really is good at making goals and keeping them. 
But I think part of it is that then he's he's asked the sufficient questions to get to the point where he has now justified it of why. And he's like, good. He can totally keep himself to whatever goals he makes. So it's pretty impressive. I think that's definitely a huge strength of a questioner is that like once they have convinced themselves, it's like they're in mm. totally and they don't need it. I do think it is funny because I feel like there's sometimes where I'll tell him things that I because I have I read more parenting books than he does but I'll usually tell him things that I learn and he'll ask me like questions about it but I have thought like I'm like I am the one that read this like but I feel like he's doubting me you know like that's how I take it is like you're like I'm like you haven't read it like just trust that that's what I read you know (laughs) but he's like but why you know like is that really the best way and in my mind I think I was taking it like well then you read the book. But then I'm like, no, that's just him asking uh-huh. the questions uh-huh. because he is curious, like, is that really the best way to handle a child that's doing this? Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, it is because I just read the book and that's right. what it said. You know, like, <laughs> anyway, so it is, it's interesting to yes. know that it's not a threat yeah. uh-huh. and it's not even that they're doubting you. It's just they need the way it they are. for them. Yeah. yeah, right. And the strength of a questioner is that we can read a book and question, right? Like, mm-hmm. this might not be the best way. I'm going to have to think about it right? <laughs> and compare it with other. Like, I'm going to read, for me, I'm going to read 10 other books on the same subject, then decide for myself which one I think right. it is. But for me, the key as a questioner, if you are a questioner or you're dealing with questioners, the main thing is information and convincing. So if you have a goal you want to do and you're like, I've been trying for this for years, but I haven't been able to do it, deliberately convince yourself. Choose, like... Meditation. If you wanted to meditate, read. Stress less, accomplish more. And you will be convinced. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a morning routine, read. <laughs> Miracle morning. I mean, it's it's actually pretty simple. You just mm-hmm. choose, like, I really want to do this. I want to exercise. Either convince yourself by doing research about the benefits of exercise. Read a book that is fantastic about ex- If you want to learn how to run really well, read Born to Run. I could just keep going here. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, once you know that that's your key, you can convince others who are questioners which helps influence but for yourself you can just choose to motivate yourself by like sell yourself on it Uh like this is why I want to do this so I'm going to sell myself on this Mm -hmm. and then you're sold and then you can actually just follow through it's really it's like a little it's a hack that's the cool thing about understanding yourself is you're able to motivate yourself to do things Mm -hmm. if you know all you need is more information and there's plenty of things out there you can really guys you can really sell yourself on anything Totally. It's kind of frightening because you can convince yourself. If there's enough books out there written about anything, you could be like, yeah, this is the best way. Yeah. Right. But there's some things you know are going to serve you, right? We know that taking care of ourselves and exercising and having morning routines and good pa- – like we know certain things that are going to help us. So just convince yourself. Convince yourself. Sell mm-hmm. yourself on it. So mm-hmm. as a questioner, does trial and error serve that same purpose like – the smoothie, for example, mm-hmm. was it getting that information or was it feeling the benefits so then you're convinced of it? Mm. Uh, I would say for me, both for sure. Because, for example, I've never felt any difference of taking multivitamins. So I'm not that great at taking multivitamins. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never felt a difference. I've been like, I'm going to do it for two months. Just to be clear, I believe in taking multivitamins, but <laughs> I clearly have not motivated myself to do it regularly. However, Smoothies are the only thing, smoothies and my rasa, my hot drink, Mm -hmm. are the only two things that I've actually noticed when I do it regularly, I can feel a difference. Meditation, Miracle Morning, same thing. I was convinced by the knowledge of it, but then doing it, I can feel the difference inside of myself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just further convinces me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say experience, but the key to experience guys, and this is so cool, 
I think this comes back to mindfulness. So anytime we can pay attention to how we feel when we do something, and then even if you can circle back even a few hours later or a day later and say, how do I still feel about that action? Our brains start to motivate ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's so cool because we'll say we're recognizing that there was a reward there because some things like addictions, um, they feel good right after. But a few hours later or a few days later, they feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So if we just take the time to be present with ourselves and notice that, it's so cool because we're creating our own reward loop. Or negative loop. When I'm not doing it. And all you Mm -hmm. have to do, like I miss I sometimes will miss a miracle morning. And I literally I can feel myself not feeling as good. By the end of the day, like I'm less patient. And if I just take a minute and like notice, see how I'm feeling right now. I didn't do my morning this morning and I am feeling this way. Just that recognition reinforces my motivation to do it the next day because I've taken the time to be present with how I'm feeling. So it's, I think just, it kind of comes back to being present. This applies to every tendency, Mm -hmm. but it's, I think a really important aspect of motivating ourselves in life. If we can just simply be present with how we feel right after something and then later, then yeah, it's just creating this cool reward system in our brain. Or it helps us avoid it. Like, for example, I've heard of people doing that with smoking. Mm -hmm. You know, they feel good after, but then a little bit later, they don't feel good. And then maybe, maybe even right after they're feeling like, you know, this is, I want to quit, whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is. But just simply being present with it is a key for them. So Mm -hmm. anyway. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, So also on the note of questioner, again, it's hard to identify kids, but... Gretchen does say that you might have a questioner kid if if you notice your kid having a hard time in school because they see a lot of maybe the busy work or certain things as arbitrary. Um, so just being aware of that and you can help motivate them by explaining, you know, I know all these worksheets, like why would we do them when we already know the skill, but here's why. I don't have a good example for why you would ever do busy work or worksheets. But I should have thought of another example. <laughs> but just explaining, and I think a lot of kids, I mean, when I'm reading this, I, I would say in my mind that I think Cohen is a questioner, but I think he's still too young to know that. But I think just any kid around five to eight asks a lot of questions. And when I take the time to explain to him why I'm asking him to do a certain thing, he's way more likely to fall through without a huffing, puffing situation. So I think that is helpful for any kids. Just take mm-hmm. a little time, give them some reasons, some purpose. And reasons why. All right, we are going to move on to a lecture. Yeah, so this, so as I was reading the book, because I feel like I've tried to take this test. I actually have a hard time with like personality tests or anything because I'm like, well, I don't know. I just don't know if I resonate with any of them. Part of the reason why I did like this tendency thing is because I love that it is just an aspect because there's so many other pieces mm-hmm. of our personality that go into it. So as I was reading it, when I got to questioner, I actually thought for sure I was a questioner because I feel like there are certain things where it's like I do have to like answer the questions why and then I feel like I'm on board. So I definitely feel, I feel like I have some aspects of that. But then when I got to obliger, when I was reading the book, I was like, okay, whoa, this is me. Because, and I, obliger is kind of an interesting word for me because I think why I didn't, didn't like think about it for myself at first is because it's like well I don't just oblige everyone like that's not really like I don't feel like that's who I am but it's more when you think about it in terms of like a goal the thing that I think for me really resonated was they are really good at keeping like external commitments so if you can figure out like the external 
expectation, I'm like really good at keeping those commitments. So I think like, for instance, in school, I was always really good in school. I got good grades. I like followed rules. Like, and I never really had a problem with it. It, like that was fine with me so like in some ways it's a little bit of an upholder you looked like an upholder in school yeah totally so I think like growing up maybe I could have looked like that but I think it was more like the like the outward expectation was like either for my teachers or for my parents or whatever like that was expected of me and so I I like met those expectations and I did well at it and I think I like I enjoyed I looking back I really enjoyed school but like I even think it's so interesting because it's like if you can come up because I feel like I can make a lot of goals, but sometimes it's really hard for me to actually follow through with them. Like, for instance, even something like Miracle Morning, I already like I've read Miracle Morning and I'm totally in like I'm like, oh, I totally understand why it's so good for me. But sometimes it's really hard for me to actually do it unless I somehow have come up with I realize like when I've looked back at goals that I've been good at keeping it's because I've come up with some way of being accountable like externally about Mm -hmm. it so like Mm -hmm. with Miracle Morning I know why it's good for me and I feel the difference when I do it like I really like it but if it's just me like if it's almost just for me it's like I feel like when the alarm goes off it's like well no one really will know if I don't do it and like does it really make a difference to me? Like, it's kind of like, well, if I just sleep, it doesn't really matter. But if I have other ways, like, I feel like the best time when I was really good at working out even was because I had a gym pass. I was paying for it. So there was like that. And I would go to a class where people knew me and I would stay for the whole hour. Whereas if I work out by myself, I'm like, I'm 15 minutes in and I'm like, I'm kind of tired. I have other things to do. Like, I'll just, (laughs) I like, I'll just do that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was actually kind of relieving to read the, like, what she talked about obligers because it's not like even a lack of motivation or like for some people it might come across as maybe laziness sometimes it's like oh I want to do this but I just don't Mm -hmm. and for an upholder they might be like well why don't you just do it but if you can realize that you just need that external accountability Mm -hmm. or commitment then you'll be excellent at keeping those things Mm -hmm. and so for me it was actually like a huge relief because I was like oh my gosh all I need to do is create some external accountability factors whether it's talking to my husband after or maybe it is having a workout buddy maybe like different things like that to then help me to fall through on the things that I've I have convinced myself of it I just need to make it happen Mm -hmm. so um and like was mentioned before this actually a lot of people do fall into this group but it's interesting because um I think that like if you recognize this in yourself I think it's just cool to see that like that is a hack that you can like with questioners it's like you just need to convince yourself when it's right an obliger might be able to convince themselves, but then being able to come up with your, like, okay. your accountability mm-hmm. with outward, how, whatever that may look like. Um, yeah. Right, because obligers are, they, they adhere to outer accountability. So these are, these are the people who are serving others. They're, like, amazing in the workplace. They are showing up. And when it comes to their inner accountability, it's not that they don't have the motivations and the priorities, it's that they need that outer accountability. So talk about hack of a lifetime. Just give yourself any sort of outer outer accountability mm-hmm. and you will hold to it. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. Some examples that Gretchen gives in her book is, um, say for working out, for some people it could just be asking somebody in your life to just ask you at dinner time. So like, mm-hmm. you know, ask your husband to say, did you work out this morning? So for me, I would hate that. 
Mm-hmm. Like that would make oh. me actually, Ooh. that actually make me want to rebel. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, no, don't, don't ask me that. <laughs> because I'm not responsible for you to work out. <laughs> um, but for an obliger, that could be really helpful. Like, can you just ask me every day? Because knowing that somebody's going to ask me will help me. Mm-hmm. It could also be, she gives, you can get creative. She gives an example of, this is also comes back to exercise, but um, two obliger friends said, like, if they didn't work out, whatever the reward or punishment was, was inflicted on the other person. Mm-hmm. So it isn't. It wasn't enough to motivate themselves, but it was, you know, you have to do this if I don't work out. Mm-hmm. So then that really works because mm-hmm. you just have, it's just, it's cool because it's just finding what works for you. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's the other, you know, the other person has to do 10 pushups or whatever. I don't even know. But when you know somebody else is actually going to be like responsible for your, whatever you do, that might really work right. for you. She and also gave the example of, like, two people would, like, switch one sneaker with the other person. So it's, like, to show up, you both had to show up to be able to work out. So then it was, like, you were going to show up because you didn't want to hold the other person back. So anyway, there's, like, certain ways that you can do it. And if that works for you, then, like, you should do it because it totally works. Yeah. And you can even do it with yourself. Like, I like that she yeah. does point out that you can talk about, like, well, my current self. And, again, we're using working out a lot, but it's just because it's kind of an easy, it's, like, quick, yeah. easy or example. it's hard. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we need a, lot it's a hard mission. But um, I feel like if it's, like well, I don't really want to do it right now. Like, my current self doesn't, but I know my future self will be happier. So, like, maybe that might work for you, too. So, like, it doesn't always have to be necessary, but, like, even that might be enough of an accountability thing. It's yourself, you know? Yeah, totally. Something cool about obligers, I love that Kaylin pointed out, you don't have to beat yourself up about needing an accountability partner. It's just using what works, right? Mm-hmm. But um, something I love about account- about obligers is Gretchen says, they are the group that blends the best with every other yeah, category. They're the O. They get along. Yeah, they're the old blood type <laughs> of tendencies because they are, they have a tendency to be compassionate and care about the needs of others. And all these are huge strengths and connectors. So, yeah. can, obligers are what connect us all together. Mm-hmm. So, they're such a valuable part of the world. And she said that she was actually presenting to like a workplace and a boss came up to her after and was like, how can I test people? to hire obligers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and she obviously was like, well, I'm not gonna tell you how to do that because you, need, need, you need all, you need right. everybody. But um, if you are an obliger listening to this, just know that you're crucial for all of us to be able sure. to, and it's such, a, it's such a gift. That ability to connect and care about people is such a gift. So you can use that gift for your advantage mm-hmm. and use it to create accountability where you want it to achieve your goals too while you're using your superpower of being so kind and compassionate to other people. Yeah. Some downsides of it that, because we're talking about like the pros, some downsides are like sometimes these people can be people pleasers because they might just like, so like maybe in a spouse, like in a spouse relationship, sometimes like the obliger might always do what the other spouse wants to do. So if you are a spouse to someone who's an obliger, it's a good thing to recognize like, oh, like, they might need a little more, like, help meeting their own needs and, like, maybe some external motivation, like, some external accountability to, like, maybe do some of those things because naturally they might just, like, do, like, do whatever other people want to do. So that's, that can be a downside and something to pay attention to yourself if you're an obliger and also if you're in, if you're paired up with someone, whether it's parent-child or spouse, something to pay attention to is that they might not always, like be able to meet their own needs just by themselves. Yeah. You might need to like help them do it. Or saying no 
mm-hmm. you know, be careful what you ask an obliger because they're going to feel obligated to say yes to you. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't under, I don't really understand it because I, I think we'll just say no, right? Or even they might need help if this is somebody who you love, making sure that you're prior to prioritizing that they do have time to themselves because they may not set it themselves. Again, for me, I think just take time for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, mm-hmm. just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but understanding that, like this is actually really helpful for me to know. I had my husband take the quiz and um, he came up as a obliger and it makes me think, how can I help him have that like filling time for himself? Like how can I protect that time mm-hmm. for him? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really valuable to know and I'm and I actually I'm looking forward to having a conversation with him about it. How can I support you in filling up that bucket, right? And then the an interesting dynamic of obligers also. She calls it obliger rebellion. So these are not rebels. They're obligers who have said yes, 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 yes when they want to say no until and her phrase is if you tell me to do it, I will do it until, until I, I don't. <laughs> And then it's like, and these are the people who, I mean, are just like, you know what? On an extreme right. case, it's like, I'm leaving my kids. I'm leaving mm-hmm. everything. Like, I'm walking mm-hmm. away and moving to Nebraska mm-hmm. because, sorry for those of you who live in Nebraska, <laughs> somewhere else, you know, I'm moving to Mexico, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I just, I'm not going to do any of this anymore. So that's an extreme form of obliger rebellion. But obliger rebellion happens a lot in small ways, like mm-hmm. where you just are saying yes, saying yes, saying yes. To everybody else, and then you're like, okay, you know what? Fine, no. I'm not even gonna try. Like, yeah. I am out. Mm-hmm. And a way to prevent obliger rebellion is learning along the way to say no. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm saying yes too much. I need to stop. It was actually funny. She actually gave an example of like a small obliger rebellion that maybe sometimes people people don't recognize is actually being late. I don't really re- relate to this exactly, but it was funny because it was like they might be showing that they like don't want to do things, <laughs> but they're still doing it. They're still right. saying yes, but it's like. I'm gonna like I'm rebelling just yeah. a little bit like I don't yeah. really want to be here but I'm still coming and so I'm gonna be late to it you know what I mean mm-hmm. so there might be like small ways it might not be totally giving up but there's like small ways but if you if you're an obliger recognizing yourself so that you you don't have to full on rebel and if you're a spouse or paired up with an obliger in some way recognizing like being able to protect help them kind of protect those things so yeah yes and they are motivated you can help motivate them again by giving them something to or someone to be accountable for or some sort of like team purpose or duty. So she gives the example of uh, a woman who wanted to run and she said, when I was in college, I was on time to every single practice and I loved running and all of these things and it was all based around her her duty to her team. Mm -hmm. And now when she wants to just run, even though she enjoys running, she can't motivate herself. So building that in, maybe it's a little walking group in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. All right, we're gonna move into the rebel. (laughs) I'm laughing because, so this is my tendency, and I just felt like I don't even want to talk about the rebel thing now. I'm rebelling against it. <laughs> you know what? Skip it. Skip We're it. <laughs> Go read it up in here. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> so that gives you a glimpse into the rebel tendency. They are not motiva- motivated by either extrinsic or intrinsic intrinsic oh these are hard words to blend all together (laughs) expectations um (laughs) and a motto this is like my favorite motto of the whole group that Gretchen says it's you can't make me and neither can I (laughs) (laughs) 
it's so true. Um, so rebels do not like rules, appointments, um, expectations. They don't want to be locked into any sort of box. Um, they resist all attempts at control. They're independent-minded. Um, and so that means that they can be, you know, uncooperative. They can be restless, struggle to settle into routines, struggle being consistent. Um, and it's kind of like a weird mix of how those things can also be positive because um, they like to defy expectations and they get a boost from a challenge. So if you were to say, you, you couldn't ever do that, that is like the most motivating thing to a rebel. So they will do it if you, if you tell them they can't. Um, and it's interesting because rebels are, I feel like it would be hard to identify a rebel from, as another person, because rebels ultimately are, are motivated by identity. So if, for me, if I can decide that I, what I want to do contributes to the kind of person that I want to be. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to. So it's not like a questioner where it's like, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be healthy, then you should eat this way. It's not finding the information. It's just deciding. It could be that I decided that I should have ice cream every single day. And that's my identity. It's more just what, what, who are you really? And so, so as a rebel, <laughs> it's just so funny because when I was listening to this book, there's so many things. So if you find yourself, you know, you have an appointment and as it approaches, you cancel it or it just bothers you to have something scheduled on your calendar that you didn't choose or, for example, recipes. This is why I hate recipes because it is the exact way that I have to do something and someone else says that I have to do it that way and so I don't want to do it that way. Or if you find yourself pushing against um, conventional things. So for me, a funny example in our family is that everybody in our family loves Harry Potter and I think everybody in the world loves Harry Potter. So I cannot read it. I can't. She hasn't, guys, she doesn't even know what she's missing. And here's the thing. So I think here's an interesting point to point out is that like, I think with it, well, it's funny because Gretchen says this too, like, like sometimes rebels will be like, well, I can't be peer pressured into something because like if, if people are like pressuring into one thing, I'll just do the opposite. But yeah. like she points out that it's like, you're still being pressured. <laughs> you're just being pressured the other way. So like with Harry Potter, it's like, she's still feeling the pressure not, not to read it because right. everybody else is reading it. Right. So it is like hilarious it because. It is just so funny. But I do think one thing that I did want to say, cause I think everybody, cause I think like when you hear some of the things with Rebel, it's like, oh, well, like if someone pushes you into doing something, I think all of us sometimes, depending yeah. on who the person is. Yes. Yeah. I think all of us sometimes do resist. If someone's pushing really hard on something, it's like, well, like. I don't want to. And I'm sure we've thought about, like, had experiences with that. So everybody can tend to want to rebel on certain things. So that that doesn't really mean that you're a rebel necessarily, though. Yeah, I right. think some of the examples that Felicia has given and, like, some that she might, I hope you give a couple <laughs> others, that are just, like, so funny for us that aren't rebels that will 
will really solidify that like you're probably not a rebel if you're thinking this because I think for the rest of us it's like but why like you know it just doesn't really make sense but for a rebel it's like well naturally like well for example we were looking for land to build a house my husband and I we would go to these places where it, it was a witch hunt where we lived there's like no land and so we're just driving around looking at pieces of land that don't have houses on them and going and looking at them and calling the people and sometimes there would be no trespassing signs who cares just walk, there's no one, like, what are they going to do? It's a sign. And so I would just say, let's go walk around. And he would not, you know, he's like looking over his shoulder, like so concerned, like staying in the car. And I'm just like walking around. Like for me, it's like, just do it. And also like the sign makes me like want to do it even more. (laughs) It's so, it's just, I like the part of it that I really like and that I have found that works to motivate myself, so if you're if you're feeling yourself connecting to this, is rebels value being true to themselves. So if you can help determine what the action is, so say if it's a habit that you want to um, instill, it can be tricky as a rebel because you not like saying you're going to go to the gym with someone isn't going to get you there but also just writing it down on a piece of paper you're not a holder so you're like well I wrote it down but who cares I almost don't want to do it now that I wrote it down and told myself I have to do it Mm -hmm. so if you can help determine you know in your mind my true self so I am my true self is a runner that is my identity and so the little actions underneath that to get there are X, Y, and Z. I think that has been so helpful for me to be aware of. I'm making that choice. It's, I can do it or not. It's, it's, I am that person. And so I'm making the choice because I've decided I am that. It's all about your own, your own decision making. And owning that, I love it that you can just own the choice. Right. A couple other gr- examples that just, they make me so happy. This is just my favorite one to talk about. This is the one I wrote the most notes about because I, because <laughs> it reminds me of Felicia. <laughs> but, okay, one example that Gretchen gives, so this is just to help you determine if you're a rebel. Um, she gives example of a woman who, anytime she wore lingerie, it made her husband not want to have sex. Like, it's like, okay, this is too much expectation no, like, do not even, like, say that this has to happen tonight. Because if you say it has to happen, no. If it's just spontaneous and we both choose it, great. But yes. no, no, no. Like, lingerie is too much expectation. Right. Other ones, this is Felicia's. So <laughs> we, the, you can order groceries and pick them up in a certain window. And Felicia's, Felicia says she cannot go in the window. I can't go in the window. She actually, like, has to go outside of that window. Which has never even crossed my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I can't make it in the window, it's fine. I don't really care. I'm not an upholder. Like, I don't need right. to be there in the window. Right. <laughs> but, it, you know, I usually make it in the window. <laughs> but for Felicia, it's like, I will not go I in that window. Not. Yeah. yeah. And my driver's license, I was just telling these guys, hopefully nobody this listening is, the, is at Davis this County. This is the funniest thought, one but to me. It's so weird. It is a year expired, my driver's license, because I've had the appointment to go and get it renewed like 14 times. But I see it, and I I just cannot. The fact that I have to go to the driver's license place to get this license, I know how to drive. <laughs> I don't need. <laughs> I'm just like so annoyed by it, and so, so I just don't go like every single time. Dentist appointments, doctor's appointments, all these adult things 
But in my mind, I'm just like, oh, don't make me do that. I don't want to do that. You, so I just don't do you it. You can't make me. <laughs> you can't make me. And neither can I. <laughs> I just love it so much. Something that works that I love that was focused on this book. First of all, the identity, which I think Felicia has really... The great thing about Felicia is she's this incredible achiever person who I admire in literally every aspect. But it's because your identity that you've chosen is an, a loving, caring mother, a good friend, a loving wife, a responsible person. Because those are part of your identity, you actually do and do motivate yourself to do amazing things and accomplish amazing things because you've decided that those are part of your identity. Right. So that's the cool thing about a rebel. You can choose. One of the rebels in the books like looks at it like a superpower. Like you can do whatever you want to do if you choose it, which mm -hmm. is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. But um, this little recipe was helpful for me as a non-rebel and helping understand rebels in my life. And again, this applies to every ch every toddler because toddlers, no matter what they, they naturally are, rebel a little they're going to have a big... And, and like Caitlin said, we all do have the... When somebody really pushes me to do something, I always want to push back. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean I'm a rebel. It just means I'm a human. Right. Um, but So this works on toddlers. But... The, the recipe is information, consequences, choice. So here's all the information. This is why it's beneficial for you to do this. You know, this is why it's beneficial for you to do your homework. If you don't do your homework, the consequence will be this. Now it's up to you. And right. then you have to release them without, because if you're saying you're releasing them, but still having a lot of expectation, it's going to push them away mm -hmm. still. So here's the consequence. Here's, or, or okay, another example is, you want to do something with a rebel. And this doesn't apply to Felicia because Felicia, again, is very responsible and has never stood me up for anything. <laughs> but um, depending on the rebel you're dealing with, it could be a, this is the, the this is the time I have to offer you and this is what we'll do. And if you come, this is what we'll do. And mm -hmm. it'll be great. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you. And then you make your plans. And it's okay Regardless. if they come. And it's okay mm -hmm. if they don't come, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But if they feel the, like, you must then that could be not beneficial. But for me as a non-rebel, a non mm -hmm. that recipe was really helpful. Yeah. Information, consequences, and then release them to have the choice. Because yeah. we do actually all, that's the beauty of rebels is that they teach all of us that we actually can choose anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's up to us. So we're just allowing that. Here's the information, here's the consequences, and here's the choice. And also appealing to their identity can also be helpful. It sounds to me though, and she gives a lot of examples of how to do that, but listening to you, Felicia, it sounds like the identity is probably the best used as a self-tool. Yeah. And not really an external, I'm going to impose an identity on you because that's not going to really be useful. Right. So as a non-rebel, I like the recipe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's the options you choose. It's a good way to work with rebels. Because I think when I first like was reading about it, it's like, oh, this is like, they're such like interesting creatures. But, then at the same, but it's like, but what do I do if I want, like if I want to do something, like what are you supposed to do? But I do think, another thing that she said too is like, especially if you have a rebel kid or something, you might just have to let them like kind of like suffer from their consequences, which right. could be hard. Right. But it's like, but you can't, you, it's not going to help for you to like push them into doing or not doing something. So just yeah, you give them the consequences. You hope that maybe they do the right thing, but you might you might need to like let them work through it on their own too, right. which I think is maybe hard. But I think it's you know it reminds me of any sort of like pushing, micromanaging, reminding. I as a rebel, it will make me just not want to do the thing, like for sure. Or 
very tight instruction recipe, for example, or if you're in a workplace with rebels, if you, if you are laying out, here's 100 steps to get to the end, at least coming from my own perception as a rebel, I will figure out the most like roundabout way not to do any of the steps to still get to the end. So don't micromanage. This is why a lot of rebels end up being more like freelance entrepreneur because, you know, they have this end goal of their identity, but they don't want someone to tell them they how to get their there. Way. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can motivate them by creating game, a game out of it or a challenge. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do this type of a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, or I believe you can do this hard thing. You figure out how to get there. Right. Right. It's really mm-hmm. a good tool. Yeah, exactly. So just being aware of that, I think will really help. And, and like Caitlin says, I think most kids are um, pretty rebellious. So... Something that's fun about what you just said about recipes that it like dawned on me. So Felicia is an excellent cook, but I think it's because in almost every kind of cooking, you have a lot of flexibility. So she'll, guys, oh my gosh, this makes me laugh so hard. She'll take a recipe. She looks at the picture and then won't even look at the ingredients. I didn't know people didn't do that. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You just look at the picture. But, um, but so it's cool weird. because you come up with these beautiful creative things, but baking Baking requires exactness. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you're such a good cook, though, in everything else, because you can use your creativity and your own autonomy, and that's why baking is a challenge for you, right? Totally. And I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, it doesn't bother me to bake, and I like the creativeness of just cooking whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I don't feel, like, caged <laughs> either way. <laughs> but that's just a good example of that personality, that motivation coming out in food, right? Totally. That baking is a cage, looking at, <laughs> looking at a picture... And just creating is not a cage. And exactly. you've mastered that. So it's all Great. about choice. All right, guys. I hope this opened your eyes a little bit to maybe your tendencies and those around you. And we hope it was helpful. Let's find the magic. Hey, everyone. This is Tara Lynn. And I would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review. They are so kind. I seriously get like teared up when I read them. Um, One of my most current favorites is from a mom. She says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she listened to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on. And she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her. So I just want to let you guys know that um, we've had a lot of people say that we feel like they feel like we are their friends. And I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners. And we, I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review. So Thank you. Um, if you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search Find the Magic on Apple Podcasts, and then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review, and then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating. Thank you so, so much, and hope you have a beautiful day. <coughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>